This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Hey, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here, and man, I'm so glad that y'all are with us as we've been in this series called Give Me Faith of the last couple weeks, and we're really believing God for some incredible things for our church and for our community and for our nation and, and for your lives. You know, this, this series is all about what God has in and for you and wants to do through you, and I believe that God is going to do some absolutely incredible things in some different people's lives, and if you've missed the last couple weeks, I want to encourage you to go online and, and check us out at our website at coastalcommunity.tv and and go and listen to some of the past messages because there's some pretty significant things that we've announced over the last couple weeks that we definitely want you to know about and be a part of and hear the heart behind. But two weeks ago, we started this series by kind of having a family meeting about what's happening at Coastal. Where are we at? What's going down? How does, where do we see us going in the future? And we talked about, you know what, we want to be a church that, that man, is out there in the community. And God has been stirring some things within us. And we really felt like this next year in 2013, that God wanted us to get beyond ourselves. He wanted us to get beyond the four walls out in Northwest Broward here. And, and we really felt like God had called us to say, hey, you know what, it's time to go start another coastal community church in northeast part of Broward because there's people that are over there that are lost and they haven't had the opportunity to know and there's this dividing line. And so we, we saw this vision from God and we said, oh man, that's gonna take a lot of faith to do that. It's gonna take a lot of faith to step out into the vision and mission that God has for our church. And, and ever since we began this church, it's always been all about people. I mean, we set out in the very beginning with, with myself and Shayla and Pastor Wayne and his wife and their kids. And we set out being one to be this church where lost people could come in and be found, where, where you could come in jacked up and messed up and walked out whole and well. We wanted to be a place where, where you, you, know, you could come and with the broken and shattered pieces of your life and God would go and put this amazing mosaic back together. We wanted, to, we wanted to be a place where you can come and you can belong before you ever believed in what God wanted to do in and through you in your life. And, and we set out with this dream and this vision, basically to, to sum it all up, to put it like this, we wanted to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church. That's what we are about as a church. That's our DNA. That's our culture, man. We want to be a place where lost people love to come to because we're a place where there's no judgment, where there's no uh, stipulations. You've got to be here. You've got to do that. You've got to be at this economic level. You've got to have this all together in your life. We just want to be a place where you can come in and you can experience a relationship with Jesus like you never have before. And you can be accepted for who you are, but we're not content to let you stay that way. Because God has got something incredible for your life. And, and, and the history of our church has been defined by, by people who said, you know what, we believe that God wants to do a lot more. In fact, when we started this church, there was a small group of us. There was about 30 to 35 of us that said, man, we believe that God wants to do something more here in our community. And this, this group had, it was defined by two characteristics. Man, they had some extraordinary faith. Man, they stepped out and they, they said, man, we believe that, that this area needs another church. We believe that there's people that are lost and dying and going to hell 
and we want to make it hard for them. And then the other half of that is that they were extremely generous. They said, you know what, all the stuff that y'all see here, these lights and screens and projectors and all this stuff, like that wasn't here. They said, man, we're going we're gonna to sacrifice financially and we're going to make that happen so that we can create environments where, where people can come in and can experience Jesus. And we're going to create environments for children and youth where they come in and they just love Jesus because they're loved right where they are. And, and, and God has done some incredible, incredible things. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I asked you guys, you know, for those of you guys that were not part of our church when we met in the office, if y'all would raise your hand. If you weren't here when we were meeting in the office, raise your hand real quick. I just want to see pretty much everybody that's here uh, b- besides like my wife and Alana right there because she was 12 at the time and that's all we could, we could only convince 12 year olds to follow us. So uh, we weren't doing very well, but no, I'm just kidding. She's, she was like 15 or 16, not much older. So, uh, but, uh, but we, we saw God just do incredible things. You're all here because of those people. And, and let me just throw a side note. You know, we've been talking about this, this Northeast Broward campus. And, you know, the incredible thing is, is that we've had so many people come up to us and say, you know what, man, I love the heart and the vision behind where you guys are going. And even though I live over here or whatever, man, I want to go be a part of that. I want to make that happen for people. I want to be a part of something brand new in that community. And so tell me how I can help. And, and so on November 4th, we're going to have an informational meeting for people that want to be a part of that. Now, that does not mean we want you all to go to that because we like you here. Uh, you know, everything here stays the same, but there's people that are interested in being a part of that. And so if you're interested in being a part of that, if you would fill out the, the information portion within your worship guide, if you would just rip that out and fill it out and say, hey, I'm interested in being a part of the Northeast campus, man, we'd love to meet with you and communicate with you and, and talk about how you can be a part of that team. And, um, and with all that, you know, the cool thing has been be, all these people are like, man, we're just behind you. And people have been like, man, I want to I wanna give financially. I want to I wanna take care of needs that were in that give me faith booklet and and all these things. I mean, it's been so cool because I believe that there's so many of you that, man, if we said, let's go storm the gates of hell right now with water guns, you'll all be pulling out your your guns and squirting away. I mean, y'all would be running after it with us. And that's an awesome, awesome thing. And, and, and that's, that's great from a practical aspect on that, but there's another side that we talked about, and we're going to get real practical today because uh, two weeks ago we, we said that, man, God wants to do something in your life, and he wants to do something through your life, and he wants to do something through our church. But part of, the, part of the whole thing on that and part of what today is all about is that that thing, going and starting another campus, is really expensive. It's about $225,000. Now that right there will make you say, give me some faith, bruh. Give me some faith, God. You know, because that's a lot of money in, in the grand scheme of things. We, we look at that and we say, man, that's like a house. And, uh, or that's like a really nice Bentley or something. I don't know. Um, and we look at that and we say that's a lot. But the reality is, is in God's economy, is not really that much. And so practically, what does that look like for us? And if you know me well at all, man, I don't like talking about money. It's not my favorite subject. I grew up uh, around a church that had an unhealthy view of, of money and they manipulated people and they did all kinds of weird stuff to get people to give. In fact, that's, that's one of the reasons why the offering was up front today because it just, my background has got me so jacked up that I don't ever want people to feel manipulated into giving uh, because that's not what it's about. I want it to be a transformation of a heart that we're so passionate and in love with Jesus that we just want to give to him because of what he's done for us. And so, man, I just want to kind of look at that today and talk about it because I realize that one of the greatest spiritual battles that we have and one of the greatest spiritual disciplines we could have as believers is when we start trusting God financially with our resources. 
But for us in America, that's the hardest thing for us to do because that's my stuff. Man, and all of us, we like our stuff. And, and I realize that today, man, some of y'all are already checking out. Some of you guys might, li- might not like me because I'm talking about this, but you know what? I don't care. Because it's not about you liking me. It's about you growing closer in your relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to talk about hard things, things that are close to your heart, because the reality is, is the thing that needs to be closest to your heart is Jesus. But yet so many times it's the other things. And when it comes to us reflecting him to a watching world, people want to look at every aspect of our life, not just what we do on Sundays, not just what we do periodically throughout the week, but they want to look at a reflection of our life and say, does that life reflect Jesus? And it's really easy for other places. They don't have to give money for them to reflect Jesus. Man, if you're in, a, if you're in somewhere in sub-Sahara Africa and you say, I love Jesus, you know what you're saying? You're saying, man, I'm putting my life on the line because the reality is, is you can die for proclaiming you are a follower of Jesus. But here in America, that isn't the case because everybody basically says that they're a follower of Jesus. 90 something percent of Americans say they believe in God, but our lives are not a reflection of that. And so how do we look more and more like Christ to a lost and dying world? And how do we reflect him in every single aspect? And I think for us, one of the greatest reflections of Jesus in our life is how do we spend what he has given us? Where is that going in our lives and, uh, and what does that look like? And today what I wanna do is I just wanna look at three indicators and we're just gonna kind of roll through them and talk about them and what they mean to our life. And the first one is this, is, is our money dr- has the opportunity to draw us closer to God. And let me just start out by saying this, man, if you have a problem giving to this church, don't let that be a crux to you trusting God. Because I've said from day one and I'll say it again here, man, if you have a problem with us, go in the phone book, open it up, Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, a church, pick one and send them your money. I don't care where you give your money because this is the thing. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to experience what trusting your life with Jesus is all about. And see what we need to understand and what Jesus talked about in Matthew 6, 19 and 21, it says this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus, Jesus said that. He said, guys, listen, where is your heart? Where is your heart at? And because wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart is going to be. And so if your treasure, if you're investing your money into some, some special investment, you know where your heart is, your heart is right there because you're constantly on, on your stock portfolio looking at it, you're constantly evaluating it. Why? Because your money's there and your heart follows along with it. If your money is in your house, you know where your heart is, your heart is in your house. That's why you're outside cutting your grass all the time, making sure your beds are nice. All, all those, the flower beds are all done up and your driveway looks good and people look by and they're like, man, that's a fine house. You got 40 billion Christmas lights in the Christmas time because you got to, that's your house, man. That's where your heart is. That's where your money is. And you want, that's a reflection of it. The same thing is true if we have hobbies. Man, if, if, if we put our money into our hobbies, all of a sudden our life falls around it. Everything revolves around that fantasy football team because our money's there. Every guy's like, yes, I know. I'm following it right now. What is, what are the dolphins doing? They're sucking. Okay. Um, sorry if you're a Dolphins fan. Um, yeah, yeah, we're honest here. We're honest here. But the Bible basically says money is like a magnet. And wherever, wherever our money is, the magnet of our heart, man, it just snaps to it. 
And so it has this gravitational pull. So we put our money here, man, our, our heart goes to it. And that's why God says, man, you gotta put your, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That's why Jesus talked so much about it because he knew where we were putting our treasure, our heart would follow. And that's why when we put our, our finances into the kingdom of God, our heart follows right along with it. All of a sudden, man, that's what we're thinking about. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're looking at because our investment is there, our money is there. And I found this to be so true in my life. One of the things that we're passionate about at a church and why we give uh, 10 to 14% of our income away every single year is we're passionate about church planning and reaching our community. And so we're constantly giving money to church planning and church planning organizations and doing things in the community. You know what happens? Because we do that, we're constantly on the phone with church planners. We're constantly coaching them. We're constantly looking at communities like Collier City and saying, how can we make a difference? What else can we do? You want to know why? Because our treasure's there. And so our heart is following right after it. And we're like, how, what else can we do? How can we help? How can we make a difference? How can we help them take their next step? Because wherever our treasure is, there our heart is also. Our money it has the opportunity to draw us closer to God. Another thing that it does is it breaks the grip of materialism on our life. And for some reason, we have this, this whacked out view we, we, in America. And I don't know why this is, but we, we have this, this idea that, man, I can't change the way the world works, so I'm going to get everything that I can while I can. And for some reason, we think that, and we think that, man, we cannot change that. But let me just tell you something. I truly believe we can change the way the world works. Because wouldn't you all agree that we live in a culture that's exceedingly materialistic? I mean, come on now. I mean, we're all looking for the latest name brand. We got to get that new car because our car's not fly enough. We got to get a bigger house because our house isn't big enough. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses, even though Joneses are broke. And uh, I mean, we're just, we're just going after it. And, and what happens is the materialism tells us to get, 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 get all the time. And the only antidote to materialism in our life is to give. Giving breaks the power of materialism in our life because materialism is constantly going to be saying, go, you need that. You need to give get this. And so every time you go and give, basically what you're saying is you're saying, man, I'm going to break the grip of this in my life. And I'm going to have a spiritual victory by saying, you know what? It's not about me. It's about what I can do for somebody else. And I'm going to, and I'm going to move counterculturally from where everywhere in the world is telling me to go to exactly where God is trying to lead and guide me in my life. And giving says, man, I don't buy into the myth that my life is all about accumulating more stuff. And Jesus said this in, in Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, you've got to choose who's going to be number one in your life. And every time you choose to give, you're having a spiritual victory in your life because you're saying, God, man, I choose you over stuff. And Jesus couldn't have been any more clear on this. I mean, the tension is there and the tension is there in your life. The tension is there in my life because everything inside of you will want you to turn to your money to feed those God-given desires that you have that are natural for, for uh, security and for wealth and for prosperity and for value and for peace. And the world will tell you that you can find it all in the almighty dollar, but we know that we've bought into that lie and we know that it's an empty promise. Because we can acquire all that stuff, but at the end of the day, those things don't make us that Jesus does. And you know what? This is what I found in my life. I don't ever drip, drift into generosity. Anybody out there ever just drift into being extremely generous? Like, oh, I just, I, like just naturally. In fact, from, from an early age, we know that that isn't the case because how many of you guys have kids 
and you've had to sit down and teach them about being greedy. Like, hey, son, let me sit down and teach you how to be greedy. Nobody has done that. None of y'all have been like, hey, three-year-old, I need to teach you how to want more stuff. Because the reality is, is if you have kids, you know this, after the, the first M word, which is mommy or mom, what's the second M word that they get? Oh, you guys, you guys have heard this, right? Mine, because we naturally drift towards this materialism. We naturally drift towards that. And it's so important for, for parents, especially you guys, man. As, as, you, as you are out there, you're earning money, you're making money, you're spending money, you're having fun with money. It's important. Are you, are, your kids are seeing you do all that. Are your kids seeing you give money? Are you teaching them how to break the power of, of greed and materialism in, their, in, in, in life by showing them how you give? I know for me, when, when we do have kids, that's one of the very first things I want to teach them. Not mine, but yours. Like, how do we make that yours? Because it's so important. And Jesus is saying, man, that there's always going to be this tension between who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve me or are you going to serve your stuff? Are you going to serve that desire for more? The third thing that it reminds us of is it reminds me that it's all his. And here's really where I'm going to camp out. And so this really gets to the heart of what it's all about. Second Corinthians 6, or 9, 6 through 9 says this. Remember this, whoever so sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's one of the reasons why I don't get up here and tell you what to give because the Bible says right there, like y'all are supposed to decide what you give, not me, that's not my job. Um, and then he goes on to say, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. For you, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. See, we're not generous under compulsion. We're not generous to reluctantly. The heart of a transformed, mature believer in Christ does not go, well, if I had, I'd better give this to God to make him happy, or I'd, I'd better give this to God to, to please him. I'd better give him my 10% so that he's content with my life. The motive of our giving isn't pleasing God or, or being compelled to do that. Or the motive of our giving is not just this, this heart that just is like, oh, you know, it's something I'm supposed to do. But the, the motive for our giving is this fact that we recognize and we understand that there's been a transformation of our soul, that God has done this incredible work within us. And because he has done this incredible work of giving us grace and giving us abundant life, that because he's already been generous in our lives, our natural response back to God should be like, God, man, everything I have is yours. Not like, how much more can I get for myself? And see, there's, there's this fundamental Christian message that gets hijacked all the time in our culture. And, 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 and here's, the, here's the truth of the message. It says, you are saved through no merit of your own. We've all heard that, right? You can do nothing for salvation. I mean, salvation is a free gift that is given to anybody who hears and calls upon the name of the Lord. But here's what happens. It gets hijacked all the time. And this is what happened. Everybody wants to add something to the cross. They say, man, it's the cross plus blank. Man, you've got to love Jesus and you've got to do this. And you've got to love Jesus and you've got to do that. 
And we just need to recognize, no, it's just, it's just this amazing grace, man. We've been saved by grace through faith. And even the faith that was given to us was, was, was by God so that nobody could boast. That's what Ephesians tells us. And so, so when we see God's generosity in our lives, it's like, what did you do to be saved? What did you do to be saved? And if it's anything besides the cross, then you're adding something to the message. You've missed out on the, the foundation of Christian generosity because it's through grace alone that you've found Christ. This overwhelming generosity in 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11 says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And, and this is a great little wordplay that, that Paul uses here. He goes, he who supplies the seed is also the one who supplies the bread. So what he's doing in this text is he's breaking down the myth of ownership in our lives because so many times we have this myth that like, you know what? I own this, this is all mine. And so what he says is some guy goes, oh man, I baked this, this loaf of bread. And somebody goes, well, how did you do that? Well, I had some wheat. And they're like, oh really? Where did that wheat come from? And they're like, oh, it came from some seed that I have. And they go, where did the seed come from? That's when it clicks on them. It's all his because they didn't create the seed. And so God right here is attacking this myth of it's all yours. Like I acquired all this. And, and because this grace is the foundation of our generosity, that generosity is built upon this idea that we're stewards and not owners. And see, we need to understand that we don't own anything. We steward everything. And so everything that we've acquired in our life is not our own. It's something that we have the opportunity to take care of. And this is a super fundamental shift in, in not only my thinking, but I think probably for a lot of us. Because if we answer these questions correctly, then we'll recognize that it's all his. Because what do you have that isn't God's? And what do you have that God has not given you? And I, I learned this earlier this year because I was up in Ohio um, visiting my niece and my nephew. Um, Shayla and I are godparents to them, and we don't have kids of our own. So, so our nieces and our nephews are like, we're kind of like grandparents. We just spoil the crap out of them and, uh, because that's what we can do. We can do whatever we want. And so I was up there visiting my niece and my nephew, and my niece had a soccer game. And so we went to her soccer game, and she's like this incredible five, six-year-old soccer player that dominates everybody. I love it because I'm, I'm super competitive in life. And so she basically dominated this other team and it was awesome. And I was cheering like crazy, like a little school girl. And, uh, and, and so I was loving this. And, and so afterwards I was like, hey, you wanna go, let's, let's rent a movie tonight and let's get junk food and let's just veg out. And they're like, yeah, you know, like little kids, they like love that. And so we go to the store and we grab a Redbox movie and I'm like, y'all can get whatever you want. And so they run in there to the candy aisle and they just start loading up with junk food. I mean, they got like armfuls. They're like walking up the register. I'm like, y'all are about to break the bank. Um, and so they, they load all that up and I end up with like a bottle of water and an apple because I'm trying to be healthy. And, um, and so we get home and, and we start vegging out. We put the movie in, they've got all their candy in. And my niece is sitting right next to me. And I notice that my niece has, has got a pack of Skittles uh, next to her. And um, I don't know about you, but I love Skittles. Like I just want to taste the rainbow all the time. I mean, it just looks good. It smells good. There's even an aroma to Skittles. I don't know if you know that or not. And so, so she has her Skittles and, and they're like out and she's got a plate and she's got the, this pile of Skittles on her plate like this. And so I reach over to grab one of her Skittles and she slaps my hand. And I'm like, oh no, you didn't. No, I'm just, 
And she goes, those aren't yours, TJ. Those are mine. And there was so many thoughts that went through my mind right there. I was just like, I can't even say them in church. And so I was just like, are you, are you serious? I was, I was like ready to throw down on my six-year-old niece. I'm like, what? I'm about to show you what's up. And, and, but but I, I had some revelations there. The first one was this, is that, man, this child has forgotten that I'm the source of her Skittles. She doesn't have a job. She doesn't have a car. That girl's broke. I bought those Skittles. I drove to the store. How did she get the Skittles? I took care of those. She forgot that I'm freaking in control of those Skittles. She's, she, th- she thought, man, I, I, man I, I'm the source of her Skittles. And she totally just lost it there. The other thing I realized is that my niece has totally forgotten that I can control these Skittles because here's the reality. I could just freaking snatch that bag out of her hand and just said, what are you going to do now, little girl, huh? (laughs) Well, I'll take these. I'll take them all day. It's like take candy from a baby, baby. (laughs) I mean, I can give you something. You know, I, I can... I can bring you a truckload of Skittles, or you know what? I can just give them some Skittles. You know, I'll, I'll hook some people. Here, you want some Skittles? Like, these are your Skittles, but you know what? I, I control these. I'll give y'all some Skittles. You know what? I don't care. Skittles for everybody. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I'll make it freaking rain Skittles everywhere. control the Skittles, girl. <laughs> then I had this third thought. I realized I don't really need her Skittles. You want to know why? Because I can go and I can get in my car, I can drive back to the store, and I can buy my own Skittles. You know what I want for my niece? I want her to be generous. I want her to not be greedy in life. The reality is, is that you and I, we need to be reminded that God is our source, that he is in control of our stuff. But for some reason, and I don't know why this is, he wants to come alongside of us and help. The reality is, is that that God does not need us. God has... Everything that he needs. I mean, he can instantaneously change every situation. I mean, he could have instantaneously made Skittles appear there for me. You know, it's, it's kind of like this commitment card that we've given you guys. We look at this and, and we say, man, that's a lot of money. And we take up a special offering next week. Man, how is that possible? But this is what I realized, that God is in control, that God is a source and that he can do this instantaneously, man, he can just have the lottery hit us. Somebody can drop that winning lottery ticket in the, the offering this week. I don't know. Somebody could just send us a check. But you know what the amazing thing is? Is that while God doesn't need us, he wants us to be a part of what he's doing. Because God is interested in what's happening in our heart. And he knows that in order for us to break This idea that we need more, we've got to be a part of what he's doing around us. 
And God is doing some amazing things around us. He's saying, man, will you partner with me to do something great in your community? Will you do something great for the people who have yet to hear? Because I think this, this is such an important thing to God. I mean, if you look throughout the Bible, the word faith is used 246 times. The word, the word hope is used 185 times. The word love, which is so critical to everything we talk about. I mean, it's the foundation is used 733 times. But the word give or giving is used 2,285 times. Jesus talked more about giving than he did heaven and hell combined. Do you think that maybe Jesus knew something that we didn't understand? Was he obsessed with money? No, he just knew that that would be the number one competitor for our hearts. He knew that that would be the magnet that would pull us away from him. Now, here's where things get goofy for a lot of people. I know there's people that are sitting out there. You're just going, okay, TJ, just give me the bottom line. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. And listen, I'm not gonna do that. Because the issue here is that God is after your heart. And, and it's not how much you give, it's what's the state of what's happening inside of here. What's going on inside of there? What's going on in that spirit? When you give, are you reluctant? When you give, are you giving out of, because you're being compelled to? Or is there a spirit of generosity that's in your heart and in your life? That's what you have to get to the bottom of. That's why it continues on in verse, in verse 9. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And see, this is what I've recognized in life. There's two ways that we give. One is we give based on reason. And what happens, and, and, and this is the way that, that I like to give because it's the way that makes sense. I like numbers. I like, like X's and O's. I like spreadsheets. I like uh, looking at things and analyzing and saying, oh, I make this much money a month, and these are my expenses. This is what I have left over, so this is what I'm able to do. And that's, that's giving based on reason. I can go through and I can come up with all the reasons why that, that makes sense. And that, that's, that's cool. That's a good way to give. I encourage you. I mean, that's what Dave Ramsey tells us to do. That's what, that's what Larry Burkett tells us to do. That's what all these financial people tell us to do. And that's, that's a wise way. Don't, don't misrepresent what I'm saying here. But there's another way to give, and that's giving based on revelation. That's you, instead of you figuring out what makes sense to you, that's you seeking God and saying, God, what do you want me to do? And it's getting beyond your means. It's getting beyond your capacity. It's getting to that place where you say, God, I need you to give me faith to do something extraordinary because you want to use me to impact people's lives. It's taking us beyond our circumstances and saying, I'm not going to give based on that pastor's message or the need that's out there. I'm going to give based on seeking God and listening to what he says and then stepping out in faith and doing that. And let me just tell you, that's, that's not the easiest way to live. But let me tell you this, it's the most pleasing way to God. That's why we're asking all of you guys to pray and to participate and say, man, God, what would you have me to do to be a part of what you're doing? How do you want me to partner with you? And I'm not just gonna go home and add up numbers, but God, I'm gonna seek you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get with my spouse. I'm gonna get with my, my family. I'm gonna get with my kids. And we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask you and we're gonna seek you and say, God, what would you have us to do? And listen, if God says nothing, you know what I want you to do? Nothing. But if God says, man, I want you to go sell your car 
and give all that money away, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go sell your car and give all that money away. If he says, man, I want you to liquidate an asset, I want you to give $1,000 or $100 or $20,000, whatever that is. Let's ask God for faith to do something extraordinary because we've got to remember that he is our source. He is in control. He doesn't need us, but he so wants us to partner with him in the work that he has for our lives. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.